And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I think I messed up our Facebook Live recording, but anyway, nice to see you. Um, so in the top of this uh, second hour, I do a cruise through the news. I do want to play that one little clip. You know, I was talking about the uh, impact on the Jewish voter in America and, you know, the horrific killing of the synagogue. But people right away in the mainstream media tried to start accusing Trump and saying, well, see how much hate he has spewed. And, you know, this was a guy, the, the shooter hates Trump. That was his point. He was yelling, and he was yelling anti-Semitic things, but what happened when President Trump visited the hospital in Pittsburgh is really worth uh, hearing, so I wanted to play a little tiny segment and show you how the hospital staff reacted to President Trump and to a Melania. Thank you, President Trump. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you all very much. No, thank you, sir. Great job. Thank you, Mr. President. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Can I shake your hands, sir? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, President Trump. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's a great gesture. Thank you, First Lady. Thank you. Thank you. I don't care what you say. We love you. I don't want to know. This guy just got up. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you all. A couple hours ago. Trump shakes your hand. There's no problem. Thank you all very much. Thank you for coming. Thank you, darling. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. I love you, Ivanka. Nobody ever heard All right. I just had to play that because so much of the media coverage was so negative and, and just assuming that everyone in Pittsburgh was angry at President Trump and, of course, blamed him for this horrific thing. And uh, and I just wanted to play that and share that with you. And yes, if you're on Facebook Live, I know it's sideways. I can't fix it. I will fix it during the break. Uh, it'll be right by next time when we have President, I mean, we have Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joining us. But one other thing I want to hit about this uh, this story with respect to uh, Pittsburgh and the, and the synagogue and the growing anti-Semitism in New York, and that is this. I said I was going to quote the New York Times three times today in a positive way, which uh, it's like I'm going to ruin my reputation doing this. But they had another great story. They were talking. First, of all, they ran an article actually said, is it safe to be Jewish in New York? Rising anti-Semitism, astonishingly ugly, evil racism. But the thing that was so interesting, New York Times ran a different story. They actually acknowledged that the reason anti-Semitism, violent anti-Semitic attacks get so little attention in the media contrasted with violence against other minorities is because there's no, excuse the expression, no sexy person to accuse. 
that the violence, again, the anti-Semitic violence is done by white people and black people and just people of all sorts of backgrounds. So it's just not exciting to report because there's no evil villain that they can point to. They're acknowledging that they just don't really care, not just the New York Times, but they're really speaking for all of media. They're acknowledging, yeah, you know, we just don't care enough to um, to do much about this because, uh, you know, it's, it's not some villain we can, and it's as, as I was talking about in the earlier, uh, in the earlier in this show, there's so much media in this election cycle surrounding anger and, and instilling hatred and disrespect and distrust and anger against other American groups. And so actual victims of violence in New York don't get to um, don't get reported. The stories aren't reported because there's no sexy victim, sexy uh, perpetrator to point to, which I think is just Honestly, amazing, despicable. Okay, amazingly despicable. Okay, so we have Lieutenant Colonel Alan West in the studio. I want to get that out. Hello, sir. Welcome. It's good to be with you. How are you? Just great. Now, you're uh, when you come back on Facebook Live, he'll be on the screen. We'll fix it all up. Nah, but, they don't need to see my ugly face. They love to see you. But I want to just one story. We have a minute and a half here. So I, start, I was teasing the story. I told you about this before. <laughs> but tickets. So Bill and Hillary, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton are doing a tour like, who even wants to hear from them? But they're doing a tour all over the country. starting with like Sonny and Cher or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, even I worse. I got you, babe. <laughs> yeah. I got you, babe. Even worse. And so they're starting in Las Vegas, ending in New York. So people have been buying tickets that were, you know, like $700, $800. And they're selling them on the, on the secondary market, thinking they're going to make a killing. I mean, okay, did I ever tell you the number? The number they're charging for these ridiculous seats that are, you know, who would enjoy even sitting in them? $2,000. I mean, I would not pay. Well, I wouldn't go. Oh, $2,000? Yeah. Nancy Pelosi would say that's crumbs. <laughs> that's a very good point. That's a very good point. That's crumbs. But, but also, I also saw something, speaking of them, because I, I had to rant about her so much during 2016. Do you know a recent poll said she is still viewed as the most likely candidate to be able to defeat Trump in 2020? Can you stand it if we have her again? <laughs> You know, it's one of those things where they say you, you can only go back to the well so so often. That well is dry. I agree. I could not agree more. It, I, I just can. I mean, she does provide a lot of easy criticism or it's easy to criticize, but she's just unbearable. Folks, we're going to come back. We're going off to a break. We're going to fix Facebook Live. I see all these little notes. You're sideways. I know. We'll fix it. At Debbie George Jazz, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, America Can We Talk. Our nation faces a choice, the path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility, whether informed the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. 
Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, Go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie George Addis. I'm so glad to have in studio this evening Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Hello, sir. Good to be with you. 48 hours away, huh? I cannot wait. I, the whole first hour on the show, I just tried to talk through how where we are, how good, how well things are going, how good the economy is, and there really is no reason to change yeah, course. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. You just had the jobs report come out. I'm sure you talked about it in the first hour. You, you've got uh, wage increases that we haven't seen in, in the past decade. You've got consumer confidence that we haven't seen in the past 18 years. You've got unemployment at a 49-year low. 
You've got historic black and Hispanic unemployment. You've got GDP that is that is uh, incredibly doing well since President Trump was elected. Thirty uh, percent growth in the uh, in the financial markets. So what is it that we're supposed to 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 want to change? And and when I hear this talk about universal basic income, I mean we just need to give people money instead of you know an, an enabling policies that allow for economic growth, small business growth, corporations, businesses, things of this nature. It's just the same as when you hear people you know come into Texas and they say they want to turn Texas blue. Well, what, mm. what is it about Texas that you have to change with the incredible economic vibrancy that you see here? So if you sit down and objectively look at, you know, where we are, let, let's say you're, you're an astute lawyer. Let's say this was the closing arguments that we're giving. <laughs> uh, I mean, what would the progressive socialists say as far as the closing arguments for their case? Silence. Well, the real problem is what I was saying the first hour is because they don't have anything to argue policy wise. They don't have things to say, well, we would do this. They end up I I think there has been so much uh, animosity introduced in the culture and and fomented that they're they're just kind of running on. We hate him. We hate Trump and he's a bad guy. And yeah, but that doesn't get you anywhere. You can you can hate the guy. That's fine. But, you know, do you want to see America be strong? Look, when was the last time you heard about ISIS in the news? Because he's surrounded. Yes, I know. It's fabulous. I mean, foreign policy, a whole other arena where he just ran circles around the the eight-year record of Obama. You know, the only thing that you hear them talking about is this, you know, insidious Medicare for all. Now, think about this Medicare for all or a single-payer health care system. What happens to the seniors? If all of a sudden everyone is put on Medicare, then this program that was supposed to take care of seniors— the seniors get pushed back to the to the back of the line, obviously. Or when you have a single-payer system, that means that there is only one person that is footing the bill. That one person footing the bill is the government. Now, that means that everyone out there that has a private health insurance plan, they, they kick you off. You're done. You don't right. have that, that choice. Yep, and every time we place we've looked at it, watch it happening, Canada and Great Britain, people complain. This They just had a big story, a report again this week about, it was in Forbes, I think. Are you sure you really want to go here? Because it was describing the delayed care, especially if it's not an emergency. Tonsillectomies. There's a waiting list to have a tonsillectomy in, in England. Do we really want that here in the United States of America? It's a crazy thing, and it's honestly, I do feel like, I mean, I think our side tries, but the ideas, as they always have in the left, they're so easy to sell. We'll take care of you. We'll send you money every month, universal basic income. We'll take care of your health care. And it takes a little bit of rationality and reasoning and facts to recognize how foolish that is. Well, you know, again, to me, it is this this theory of the equality of outcomes, that they're the ones that can determine what are going to be the end results that you are, let's be very honest, you're too stupid to take care of yourself. Yes. And why aren't people offended by that? Well, I mean, I, mean, I just. Well, I think, I think some are, and I think that, I think that we'll see something very interesting on, on Tuesday night. I think that there will be a lot of people that are repulsed by this. It, you know, one of the things that just happened uh, on Saturday Night Live, you know, last <gasps> night. I didn't talk about that. You can go ahead and tell it. Yeah. Well, you know, we have here in the state of Texas a, an incredible former U.S. Navy SEAL, uh, Dan Crittenshaw, who's running for office down in the Houston area. Uh, and Dan lost uh, the use of one of his eyes in the combat. Saturday Night Live mocked him in one of their skits last night. Now, these are the people that supposedly say that they like our military and they care about our military. You're mocking a Navy SEAL who lost his eye, the use of his eye. You know, remember that Nike 
uh, commercial, believe in something, even yep. if he, yeah. you, you know, you're willing to you know lose everything. This man lost an eye. Actually, did lose a huge. He did lose. Yeah, yeah. and um, you're mocking him. Yeah, I don't think that plays well at all. The other no. point I'm making, since we're piling on, I don't think any of the messages on the left are working. I don't. Th- I think there are many women in America who watched that Kavanaugh hearing. And they may have been a little bit sympathetic because they had some horrible experience in their life, but they don't like picturing their husband, their son, their brother, their accused, and the entire you know constitutional majesty of due process and presumption of innocence uh, wiped away. Yeah, because absolutely. Because the accuser happens to be a woman, so you don't have those rights anymore. Well, the the sad thing is that you know we just found out last week that there is a woman that said, "Yeah, I, I lied. I just made it up. I want." She made some up attention. the whole story. Yeah, whole story. So. The big concern for women going forward is that you have a political party that has politicized sexual assault. Yeah, that's and, well said. And that is not what we should have and, you know, as part of this Me Too movement. Because now when you're a, a true victim of it, you know, they've kind of tarnished it. Oh, I know. Just the it, same as always saying, you know, everything is racism. So right. if, if you're a, 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 a black or, you know, a Hispanic that is really suffering from, you know, prejudice and racism in the workplace, and, no, but, uh, you know, you're just making it You're up. just another voice. Yeah. You're yeah. Another, and, and you get ignored. I have thought both about both cases, women and discrimination, race or ethnicity. It really is the worst thing you can do to diminish it and tarnish and it. And they have. And they have. Because then the person who's got the real claim, yeah, they're just, well, you're just wanting to take a number, you know, you're number 75 in line. And it, it's just, it's a bit, it's been really, and I think it has backfired, especially on women. I do think the whole Kavanaugh thing that appeared to be this, wow, we got to, I think women said, uh-uh, I don't think so. Hey, I want to be sure and talk with you about these, this time always goes by so quickly. So I have uh, a bunch of topics. Uh-oh. One I want to, <laughs> yeah, getting ready. One I want to talk with you about is this caravan at the border or coming to our border. And the question was posed by, or the idea was floated by the president, we should send the troops down to the border, this caravan. Well, now there are four of them, I think, Honduras Mm -hmm. and El Salvador. And they're becoming a little bit violent. They're throwing rocks and such. So do you think it's an an appropriate use of the U.S. military to send them to the border to meet these people at the border? Well, first and foremost, the U.S. military uh, cannot act in any type of way in the continental United States uh, with law enforcement operations. That's called posse comitatus. What you can do, and the United States Northern Command, uh, that's one of their contingency operations, to work with Department of Homeland Security and many different things, uh, such as the border security. We have long time had a military operation called JTF-6. It's now called JTF North. And these are military that's working counter-drug and anti-terrorism operations on the border. But what we're doing is we're sending down combat service support and combat support so that we can get more of the Border Patrol agents up front along the border to do their mission. And therefore, they don't have to worry about a lot of the logistical support operations and things of this nature. That's how you're using our military. Now, I will tell you this, because uh, some people you know, kind of you know, wince when the president talked about throwing rocks. You know, in Iraq, one of the things that the young people were doing, they were using uh, slings and they were throwing rocks at, you know, our guys in Humvees or even on some of the armored personnel carriers. You get hit by a rock and when you're going 20 miles an hour or you get hit by a rock, period, it can kill you. Ask Goliath. Yeah. 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 Seriously. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, what, what I did in, in our area was say, look, if kids start to do that, you, you know, fire away into the ground, you know, away from them as a warning shot. And they got the message. But you cannot allow our, our men and women in uniform, especially our Border Patrol agents, to be abused by these folks. Now, this is not Marco Polo. 
going across, you know, Asia. This is not a caravan. These are people that are being well supported, and this is a, a deliberate attempt to breach the the sovereign borders of the United States of America. And I think we have to see it that way. And a lot of people on the left are playing this down. I think Barack Obama just called them, you know, poor little starving, you know, folks walking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-uh. No, they're they're not. They're they and and the other thing is that much the same as what you saw in Europe, you have a large preponderance of military aged males. And anytime there's a large preponderance of military aged males, you know, you need to be very concerned about it. Angela Merkel let him in, look what happened. You want to talk about, you know, a real war on women, look at how many countries in Europe women cannot walk the streets safely right. at night. And I don't think we want that, you know, MS-13 or any of these other, uh, you know, gang members just freely being able to come into the United States of America. So this is a, a real problem. They need to be kept down there near the border. They should not be released into, you know, our society where, you know, chances are they're not going to be showing up for their, their cases. Say the name of the military, JT, what was it you said? It's JTF-6, uh, and, and now it's called JTF North. And that has always been the military operation along our border, mostly focused on counter-drug and uh, anti-terrorism operations. I have heard people suggesting, I know Posse Comitatus basically says you can't use troops in a, in a domestic thing. You can't send them down to, to do anything that no. um, that is. But people are arguing that it could be, uh, you could have regulations written um, that would say this is to repel a, a, an invasion at our border it wouldn't be they wouldn't be engaging in well a, a, if, if they were armed if the people coming across this border were armed that'd be something totally different but the fact that right now this is still a law enforcement and the united states border patrol has that law enforcement uh capability capacity and jurisdiction alan west joining me and debbie george ass america can we talk facebook live come back in four minutes Hi, this is Debbie Georgiatis. If you are listening to America Can We Talk, you know that my show is dedicated to preserving the exceptional idea that is America. I want to take a minute to tell you what I mean by that. Unlike almost every other country on the planet, America's culture, our very identity, has nothing at all to do with ethnicity, race, or national origin. Instead, America is all about ideas, including the most basic idea that each of us, simply because we were born has the God-given right to live out our individual version of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness within the guardrails of the Constitution and our laws. Preserving this requires patriots in every American generation to grasp the importance of this truth, to recognize and fight back against the subtle and not-so-subtle relentless attacks on America's liberty, and to speak up for and defend the unique culture of American-style liberty. The federal government spends $900 billion annually on anti-poverty programs. What has it produced? 75% of black children are born into fatherless homes. 43% of the prison population is black. The black poverty rate has remained at twice the national average. And cities like Oakland, Baltimore, St. Louis, and Detroit are in ruins. Instead of helping, bad policies and billions of dollars have spread a sickness in the black community. It's time for a cure. The Center for Urban Renewal and Education, CURE, led by President Star Parker, 
is addressing our nation's most critical problems in our nation's most distressed zip codes. Cure's mission is to fight poverty and restore dignity through faith, freedom, and personal responsibility. To find out more, to read about how Cure works, and how you can help, please visit urbancure.org and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Together, you and I can cure America. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm happy to have in the studio with me Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. And uh, so much to talk about, so little time. So now I want to turn and ask you, uh, we talked last week on the show, we had some clips from Candace Owens and mm-hmm. her big Blexit speech and her announcement about uh, we're going to have a Blexit of black extra from the Democrat Party. So, you know, first of all, it's exciting. What I was saying about it in the first hour was it's kind of the first uh, organized effort not pushed by the Republicans or by the white Republicans, it's it's kind of um, it's an organic, organic. yeah, it's an organic. It's coming up from the from from the bottom up, and and I think that's what had to happen. And I think that again, you know, when when Donald Trump was there, I believe in Charlotte, North Carolina, he was giving a speech, and he said, you know, what do you have to lose? Yeah. And of course, so many people just went sideways on him about that. But but that was right. That was the right challenge because. If you go back and you look at the relationship of the Democrat Party with the black community, you know, going back to the Civil War to, to present, they don't have a leg to stand on. 
And even the civil rights legislation that was passed, it was because of Senate Republicans, mm-hmm. Eric Dirksen and them, one because of Al Gore Sr. or uh, Robert Ku Klux Klan Bird. Uh, and and yeah. when you look at some of these organizations like Planned Parenthood and, you know, 60 some odd percent of Planned Parenthood clinics oh. are in minority communities. Well, Planned Parenthood was founded by a white supremacist and a racist, the gay speeches of Ku Klux Klan rallies, Margaret, Margaret Sanger. Sanger. So I think that finally a lot of these things are starting to be understood within the black community. But the most important thing is that they're not on food stamp rolls. They're not in poverty anymore. They're starting to work. They're starting to be able to take care of themselves. And even his, uh, you know, the, the criminal justice reform initiative that, you know, Texas Public Policy Foundation came up with, and they have brought that to the White House, they're starting to see that this is a guy that really does care. You know, I grew up in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia, same neighborhood that gave us Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Guess who it was that made Dr. King's, uh, you know, final resting spot there a national historical monument? No idea. It wasn't Barack Obama. It was Donald Trump. Oh, my gosh. See, I never so, knew that. So it's wow. all these little things that, you know, but yeah, he's a racist because that's, again, that's what they have to say. Donald Trump has really done a lot to help the black community realize that, you know, you can't get out there and, and stand on your own two feet. You know, we can grow small businesses once again in the urban uh, communities. So when you look at what Candace Owens is doing and these young black conservatives that are up there for this leadership conference, dirty little secret, 21 to 36 percent. That's where Donald Trump's approval rating is within the black community. They don't want that out. And and when it comes to 2020, you may see a complete difference in that, it is no longer about this phony outreach, which is what the Republican yeah, Party always yeah. did. This is now about policy inclusiveness. Policy inclusiveness? Absolutely. I like that. I like that term a lot. Well, that's, that's, that's what needs to happen. You don't need to show up two months before an election and say, vote for us, when you have not had any type of uh, you know, relationship throughout the entire year. Look, Lyndon Johnson is the reason why the black family has been destroyed. Yes. Uh, you look at, you know, the, the policies of, of the education policies. You know, why is it that we don't see people talking about school choice and vouchers in inner city communities? Why are kids in the inner cities relegated to failing public schools? Because of the teachers unions. You don't see anyone in the Congressional Black Caucus talking about better education opportunities in, in, in these minority schools. It is an astonishing thing because those arguments and policies that the right has made has been making all along. We need to improve education. We need to diminish the power of the teachers' unions. We need to offer educational choice. And but for the first time, it's like it's like the message is getting out. Maybe because Trump is so blunt. I mean, in his speaking uh, and forthcoming. But I just I think the Republicans have been hammering that or those kinds of things for a long time, but not very effectively. And not all of a sudden, effective. it's just yeah. And and they haven't had you know, this new generation to step up and say, you know, we got to do something different. And, and it's very interesting. And, and, and again, I would recommend to the folks out there listening and watching us on Facebook live, pick up Booker T. Washington's autobiography up from slavery. It's an incredible, incredible book. In fact, since we talked about, we were mentioning Texas Public Policy Foundation, that's the name of the, they call it the Booker T. Washington, is it Institute or? Initiative. Initiative. Yeah. yeah. Uh, at Texas Public Policy Foundation, which you are heading up. Mm-hmm. I love the idea. I like the idea of policy inclusiveness. It's a great term. But so what is TPPF's uh, Booker T. Washington initiative all about? Well, the thing is, first of all, we need to teach people about who Booker T. Washington is. He's been forgotten. You know, I remember uh, the first lady, Michelle Obama, had the opportunity to go and speak at a commencement exercise at Tuskegee University. And what she was talking about was being a victim. You know, everyone's kept you down. 
And, and, and it was absolutely amazing because if you know and understand the history and the background and what Booker T. Washington stood for and how he first established Tuskegee Institute, it wasn't about being a victim. And his, his three-point principles was education, entrepreneurship, and self-reliance. Now, here you have the first black first lady going to the institution that was created by you know a man that was born into slavery that became one of the great orators and educators, and she's talking about being a victim. That is actually, well, you know, the thing is, the left, the Democrat Party, they have nowhere else to go. I mean, it is, what it is their home politically, is what they have set themselves out to be as the, the victim identifier, the victim namer. And then once they have identified you and put you in your little silo, then they've told you who is your, who's the perpetrator, who's the bad guy, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to hate them. It is the entire MO of the Democrat Party. And see, that's why this whole thing about the migrant caravan is so interesting, because I believe what many in the black community see is they're being pushed to the side because the Democrat Party now has found their new uh, category of victims, and it's the people come here illegally. I want to play a clip. I found there's this really pretty black woman who did a YouTube ranting about the caravan exactly to your point. I'm going to quick play her clip. So I just came out of a high school that I work at, and my students don't have a library. They also had tile coming off the ceiling. And you want to tell me that I'm wrong for pointing out the fact that it is totally irrational to import thousands of people from another country when we can't take care of our own citizens. I deal with so many kids every single day who come from the most dysfunctional homes that you can imagine. And some of them come from wonderful homes, but their schools are failing them. But yet we have money to import people so another group can get power? Even though these Democrats who push these policies, they don't have to live with the consequences of the policies that they push. They sit there and bring people in these communities who are already cash-strapped and suffering. That way they can drain the resources of the kids who are already living here and suffering. Or they send their, their kids to a $13,000 per year private school, if not more. Well, they live in gated communities behind walls. They don't have to live with the reality of the impact of illegal immigration in their communities. And they don't give a damn because y'all line up every year and vote for them without fail, even though their policies are hurting your communities. Okay, do you not love her? (laughs) No, it's, it's perfect. But, you know, what's interesting is that take that young lady. And then juxtapose her against Stacey Abrams running for governor in the oh, state of Georgia. Yeah. And Stacey Abrams, you know, black black female, Ophir's down there, you know, stumping for her, going door to door. Stacey Abrams was the one that talked about having illegal immigrants vote. She did not. I did not know that. Okay. Well, see, that's why you have me on. Dave. It is why I have you on. But no, she's talking <laughs> about facts. illegal immigrants should be should be voting. So, I mean, give me a break. Yeah. And on that, Stacey Abram, there was a really clever uh, cartoon someone had made. She's running for governor in Georgia. She would be the first, I think, first woman governor, definitely first black woman governor. She has, they have coming to Georgia, people from California. They have, um, what's the actor's name? The one who uh, acts really silly and played Elf. Anyway, that guy. They had that actor and uh, Will Ferrell. Yeah, Will Ferrell. He came and Oprah. And there was, they, they have really funny meme just saying, you know, listen, we want to help you out here in Georgia. We're from California where taxes are driving us out of our homes. We're overregulated to the point we can't find jobs. Uh, but we're here to tell you how to vote. I mean, why would anyone in Georgia care what these Hollywood types think? Well, and, and they tried that with the special election that was in the congressional district in North Atlanta with John Ossoff. Yeah. And they found that, you know, 75, 80 uh, percent, you know, a high level of his uh, funds were coming from where? From California. And he didn't work out so well. But guess what? Exact same thing here in Texas. You look at, you know, Representative Robert Francis O'Rourke. 
Yes. And where's his money coming from? Yeah, California. Absolutely. So, uh, again, what we have to understand, folks, is the greatest export coming out of California is not avocados, wine, and, uh, and walnuts. It's a different type of nut. It's called progressive <laughs> socialism. Bad policy ideas, bad, bad politics. Bad policy ideas. Yeah, yeah it's, it's this delusion. But it's been successful. It's, it's turned Colorado. It has turned Nevada. It has turned Arizona. And, and it has turned New Mexico. And now they have their sights on these southern states, like a Tennessee, like a Georgia, or even a Texas. I love when people point out where the Democrat, especially the big Democrats, kind of seem to come out of nowhere and they're a big candidate and it's all exciting. If the money is coming from out of state, especially California, you should be asking why and what, why, because obviously the Democrat Party and the and Hollywood left is trying to turn this entire country you know, very, very and, and I was born and raised in Georgia, and it is interesting to see the transition there in Atlanta because uh-huh. Atlanta has been taken over by people that don't understand Georgia values. And the other thing is Atlanta now has the third largest movie production studio after Hollywood, and I think Wilmington, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And that is another reason that you see this incredible change. So what they're thinking is that we can win Atlanta, major you know, population density, and the rest of Georgia won't matter. And it'll just take over the state. This is Debbie Georgiatis. We're on America Can We Talk and Facebook Live. Come back in four minutes. So happy to have Lieutenant Colonel Alan Weston studio. Be right back. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Have you heard of the Policy Circle? It's a national network of women who come together in neighborhood conversations to discuss the public policies impacting their communities. You can think of it as a book club, but instead of reviewing a book, members discuss public policy issues. Policy Circle members have access to membership-only resources and benefits that complement a thoughtful framework for women to come together and have fact-based discussions. From healthcare to poverty... From free enterprise to education, from fiscal responsibility to the First Amendment, we discuss the issues that shape America. Change starts with a conversation. Conversations happen when women across the nation are connected and engaged in their communities, openly sharing their views and taking a leadership role in policy dialogue on what human creativity can accomplish in a free economy. Are you ready to join a growing network of engaged women? To join or start your own policy circle, visit thepolicycircle.org today. That's thepolicycircle.org. 
Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm so glad to talk with you every Sunday evening. I want to remind you we have a once a week podcast, Wednesday, 3 p.m. Central Time. You can watch right here on Facebook Live. Love uh, just a deep dive into some subject that really matters to preserve this precious and extraordinary country. Also, I want to thank the sponsor of this show. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, which is a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry couldn't do the show without them. So grateful for their support. Okay. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, we have to talk fast. Last segment. Okay. Okay. I want to ask you, I always think about you in the, with the uh, international incidents, like especially in the Middle East, because I know you uh, served in the military, and I didn't really even do a big introduction. I forgot my big introduction of you, but I think our, our listeners know you. But I want to talk about Saudi Arabia and... Mm. Uh, you know, are they are our alleged only ally over, except for Israel, but our alleged Muslim majority ally. Um, and, you know, they are. And so we had obviously a horrific uh, murder of a, an individual. I guess he's not an American citizen, but he's considered he's a legal American resident. Person. Yeah, yeah, legal, legal resident. resident. And he was murdered um, in the Saudi Arabian embassy in Turkey. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, the story's changed numerous times, uh, but now it appears that Saudi Arabia is acknowledging they they first had it was interrogation gone bad. Now they're kind of more or less saying, yeah, they, they did somebody killed him, but they want to separate whoever did it from their government. They it really wasn't their government. So we're, we're, what's going on there? What do you no, think? No, that's about? not possible. I mean, there's no way that they can say that 18 people were just rogue actors. <laughs> That, you know, somehow flew in. <laughs> flew in and went to the uh, Turkish, uh, the Saudi embassy in Turkey. And for we understand, you know, strangle uh, Mr. Khashoggi and then dismembered his body. 
Okay, this this is this is sick. This is heinous. And either we are a, a country that believes in individual human rights, or we don't. And we cannot continue to excuse the abhorrent behavior of the Saudis. You know, the same people that you know most of the nine eleven conspirators were Saudis. Uh, Osama bin Laden was a Saudi, yeah. and many much of the uh, the, the support to the global Islamic Jihad comes from you know Saudi benefactors. Now, I keep hearing people say that we need Saudi Arabia. We need Saudi Arabia. We need Saudi Arabia. We, we, we can't do without Saudi Arabia. As long, it, it's kind of like you had that, that boyfriend once upon a time or that guy <laughs> that liked you, and you just kept trying to dismiss him, but, I mean, he was just willing to just suck up to you and do whatever you wanted. How much respect did you have for him? Not a lot. That's a good point. That's Not an interesting analogy. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think that that is exactly how Saudi Arabia sees us until we get to the point where we say, you know something, we really don't need you. But we can deal with Iran on our own. And as a matter of fact, you know, the, the world's largest Arab nation is Egypt. So we, we can have good relations with Egypt. And we've got this great ally called, uh, called Israel. And you know something else? You know, there are these people called the Kurds. They've been yeah. staunchly supportive of the United States of America. We're, we're going to align ourselves more so with them because there has to be a point where we, we tell the Saudis enough is enough because they they murdered uh, a green card holding legal resident of the United States of America who was also a journalist here. Yeah, he wrote comms at Washington Post. And I mean, the antagonism is because he was even more extreme so extreme muslim than the administration in saudi i mean they didn't like what he was writing about them right I mean, yeah, probably, but, yeah yeah but but okay i'm not justifying i'm just saying but, that but was... we believe in the freedom of the press yeah yes so I'm... so now all of a sudden we have this young prince that everyone thought was going to be the second coming mr of, cool yeah, yeah of thomas jefferson in saudi yeah. arabia uh we find out that this guy's a little bit off off his rocker yeah. Okay. So you're comfortable. That was what I was going to ask about was Iran. You think that the, I mean, the people keep saying the benefit of retaining some kind of good relationship with the Saudis is because they're helping us restrain Iran. Who's no, really that's, the, that's that false narrative. That's that either or narrative, you know, that, and, and we don't always have to say, okay, we're with this side and not that side. Think about the Iraq-Iran war. I mean, we sided with Iraq against Iran because of the hostage crisis and everything in the Ayatollah. And then the next thing you know, we're having to go against Iraq because Saddam goes crazy. So sometimes you need to just be very circumspect and not believe that you have to fall for the either-or scenario. And we do have a um, Egypt is a great thought because El-Sisi is the one who several, I think it was New Year's Day 2015, sometime he yep. gave that big speech about yep. Two imams saying we or to the Muslim mullahs, we cannot continue to be so extreme. We can't really kill all the non-Muslims. And in this he's world. been very tough on Hamas. Remember, he's closed yeah. off those border crossings, so it's really put a, a kibosh on Hamas. Okay, so you're you're for severing ties with them as of now? We're not severing ties, but I think we need to have sanctions against them. There need to be some consequences thereof. And again, this is a reason why we need to be pushing our own oil and natural gas industry. Yes, and yeah. and restoring our coal industry. Okay. I'm glad, you know, I did have, I think a couple, right after it happened, I had an expert on from Washington who was saying we have, there has to be some severe sanction um, because they otherwise are going to, uh, I mean, not just they, but other dangerous powers you in the world. You just become the needy boyfriend. Well, and we don't yeah. want other needy, pow- other bad actors in the world to watch this and say, we don't do anything. And that's the other thing. A lot of people are saying, well, if we're, if we don't, you know, you know, kind of acquiesce to them. Then we push them into the sphere with Russia and China. Well, guess what? So be it. And 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 they'll they'll go down with Russia and China also. 
Love that. Okay. So um, if nothing else on that point, I want to turn and talk about your book. I mentioned Uh-oh. a few weeks ago on the show, but I'm going to hold it up for our Facebook Live listeners. It's called Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death. Uh, and Alan West, picture in the front. I hope that uh, you can see it in Facebook Live. So you've been just all over the place talking about this. It's going great, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're looking at another big uh, publishing push to get some more books into production. I'll be heading down to Houston tomorrow to be at the Taste of Texas uh, to do do book signing there from uh, 4 to 8. Well, I'm going to encourage people. This is a great book to read because uh, it is certainly well-researched and footnoted, but the main point is it's very substantive. It's, it's It's a very substantive analysis approach on all sorts of issues that help you just hold on to freedom, to a free, a free society, but it's substantive and policy um, oriented. It's not just rhetoric. It's, it's very, very uh, detailed. Well, that's okay. what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to make it too long because I wanted something that people can quickly read. They can highlight, they can go back to, and it gets them to understand why Texas is so important and the policies that have made Texas, you know, this incredible economically uh, growing a state. And why would someone want to come here and say, well, you know, we want to change it? Yeah. You know, on that point, we, I didn't respond to what you said earlier, but it is so true. Californians especially come to Texas because their taxes are too high. The property values are too high. They can't uh, they can't find jobs. They, the industries are strangled there. The government keeps voting for and providing more benefits, more free things. And and so they come here to get away from that. Because Texas is this beacon of opportunity yes. and jobs and, and, and a, a strong economy. And they come here, but they don't, it's like they, no one connected the, they didn't connect the dots and no one did it for them to mm-hmm. say, the reason Texas is, so that's what this book kind of does, that the reason Texas is this way is these policies. Absolutely. And that's why I say one of the things, maybe there should be billboards to say, welcome to Texas, why are you here? <laughs> Keep driving. Yeah, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the corporations and businesses that are moving here to Texas, you know, Toyota, for instance, they understand why they're moving, but the thing is that they're not articulating that to their employees. It is amazing. And actually, when that first is being discussed, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is great, a great new employer. Look, we, we attracted a new employer. But if you bring people here that don't, who don't understand why Texas has a robust economy and rock-solid you know, job numbers and affordable housing and a safe, stable community, you know, they will vote, vote it all away. They will vote it all away. And when you look at the major urban population centers, Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, Houston, El Paso, Corpus Christi, you know, they're being run by people that don't understand that philosophy of governance. That's actually another thing uh, we don't have time, I guess, today. But I really think a major initiative of the Republican Party has to be to begin to focus on the major cities. They got to. Yeah, all around the country, they just say, it. we're bringing our message here. Absolutely. And someone's got that job in every big city, your yep. job. And, and because otherwise, it's just, I don't know, something about the living in close quarters and the, I don't know, you, you just end up breeding liberal thinking. Well, you know? the thing is this, you know, the, the people always ask, why do you wear, you know, your paratrooper rings? Because it's part of my history and his legacy, and I love it. But the whole point about paratroopers is that they jump in behind enemy lines uh, to yeah. cause disruption and confusion. And that's what we need to do. We have to jump in behind enemy lines. We have to go where they think they're strongest, college campuses, university campuses, into the urban population centers. Because what you just heard that young lady talk about earlier, she's starting to question, why would I vote and support these people who are failing me? Yep. And they just need to hear it. Remember what I said? Policy inclusiveness. 
Yeah, I love that term. Okay, so we have three minutes left in the show tonight, and I told you in an earlier email, I want to just ask, yeah. so assuming we keep the Republicans hold the House and the Senate, and we have two years, we know we have the Republican uh, in power, what would you say the top priority should be, both for good of the country and for the good of a re-election in 2020? I think the most important thing is that we need to have those tax cuts, the reduction of the tax rates on the individual side. You know, you still have seven, uh, yeah, seven or eight, you know, different tax uh, levels, tax rates. They need to be brought down to four. I think you need to have 10, 15, 20, 25 percent. The other thing, it, it, because everyone needs to, to row, row uh, man or oar on this boat yes. so that we don't have this leveraging of one group against another. Y'all got skin in the game. Yeah. Skin in the game. 21 percent needs to be the small business uh, subchapter S corporations. Yep. They need to have the exact same tax rate as your corporation and the businesses. Because then I think you will see a real change. So I think that that's what Kevin Brady, you know, if they win, he's still the chairman of Ways and Means Committee. That's the next big thing they need to do. I love that idea. I do want to mention something else. It may be just... And they got to get government spending under control to do that. Oh, well, government spending, that that is a whole... It, it's yeah. an, an astonishing task ahead of them. they um, got to get away from baseline budgeting and go to zero-based zero budgeting. Yeah. Stop with the, you know, every year increase. Well, I love the zero-based budgeting. I know it's a big bite to chew off, but I want to say Republicans at some point have to do a major overhaul of the immigration system. They I do. mean, they have to have merit-based immigration as the, as a top priority. They have the priority of the American worker getting uh, mm-hmm. having jobs available as as a priority. You weave into the numbers you bring. And no more taxpayer-funded benefits going to people that are here illegally. And we got to clean up our streets of the criminal illegal immigrants. Uh, all of that. And I also think there's just a, uh, a an opportunity in that effort to redefine or to restate again why Amer- what American citizenship means. Mm-hmm. It's not just you got lucky and you got a certain you got, you got here, a number. Yeah, but that you are joining the, the experiment in individual freedom. It's a privilege. Yeah, I, I would love if the, if the Republicans could do that. OK, we're sadly out of time. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, thanks for coming in. Always a pleasure. Y'all take care. Loved having you tune in every, uh, every Sunday night. I want to encourage you again to tune Wednesday on uh, 3 p.m. Central Time for our podcast. And also, anyone can email me about the show at AmericaCanWeTalk at gmail.com. Love hearing from you. I owe some answers, and I will. I love hearing from all of you. And I just really encourage you again, as I said, the star of the show, if you haven't voted yet this Tuesday, go vote and call 25 of your best friends and remind them to vote. Debbie George asks, America Can We Talk? Talk to you next week. America Can We Talk? Truth About America. America.